Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Prez, aka the non-lethal shooter, aka Comertage Gibson, aka Brian No Cashman, and we're here for a special episode of Draft Strickland with a very illustrious guest. He doesn't have as many nicknames, but you can find him in that many places. He writes all over the internet on Twitter, on Indie Cornrows, on WNBA.com. On Uprox, I'm probably forgetting about 17 others, but it is none other than one Mr. Mark Schindler. Mark, how are you doing today? Prize, I'm good, man. I'm glad that we could connect. I know it's been in a... We've been trying to get this together for a minute. I've been all over the place, so thank you for uh, for being patient with me, but I'm good, man. Uh, somehow it's January 10th. Wow. It feels like it was like December 15th last week, so it's been a whirlwind, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm sure our listeners are excited because I made the executive decision to not do Jeff Strickland last week. I don't want to say because I didn't feel like it, but for me, the holidays were still going on. So uh, I'm putting my mental health first. Not that I, uh, not that this podcast is a strain on my mental health, unlike the team for which this uh, podcast is uh, named, but. We're here now. We're back in the full swing, slowly approaching March Madness. Um, prospects are getting more into the mainstream. ESPN is getting into conference play, and we're seeing different different high-ranking recruits play each other and you know, different big blue-blood schools uh, face each other on prime time on Fridays and Saturdays. But we're not here to talk about any of that. We're here to uh, dial back the time machine a little bit and talk about last year's class, the 2022 class. Um, we, uh, I think I had you on Jeff Strickland last year, and I also went on Indy Cornrows mm-hmm. to talk about um, a couple of different guys, Tari Eason, I think, mainly. And obviously the, the Pacers have since drafted not one, but two exciting, illustrious I say non-sarcastically, I really enjoy watching them play, so that's nice, and it's fun, except for when they do it to the Knicks, um, Matherin and, and Nemhard. Um, and then the Knicks, uh, after months and months and thousands and thousands of words, decided, hey, Prez, we're going to disregard all of that, and they decided to trade out, um, admittedly, for quite a haul uh, of, of draft capital, so couldn't be too mad at it. Um, but, you know, I, I'm really interested, not just in checking in for check-in's sake, but I like checking in to see you know what did i obviously get wrong what did i learn most importantly because every year i try to take a little bit in terms of lessons learned 
from last year and then immediately think about both how I can apply that to the upcoming draft class and then also how can I avoid swinging way too far in the other direction and overcorrecting, which I've totally done before. Um, so yeah, uh, that, you know, there's no real structure here. I'm just uh, want to pick your brain a bit. Um, and I guess we can start off with this question. So are there, we'll get to the Pacers guys. So put them aside for now, but aside from the Pacers rookies, are there any other rooks who have stood out to you either for good or bad, or they're just fun to watch and you're just, or you just, you know, the team fit is great. Like what are, what are the vibes with, with how you're looking at these kids right now? Yeah, I think uh, this, this class has been interesting so far. I think is the best way to put it. There have been, uh, Especially once you get out of the lottery, there have been like a. It's been pretty hit or miss. Uh, from like, I feel like from from around like twenty to to forty five, it feels like there's just kind of a lot of up in the air right now. Um, like you have guys like, for instance, Jaden Hardy has kind of burst into the rotation over the last week or two. I think. I mean, it depends if that's going to keep up. I think that it should, based on some of the play that he's. Had Ty Ty Washington has just started playing. Patrick Baldwin's really only getting spot minutes. Um, Nikola Jovic has been in and out of the rotation. Wendell Moore is like he's played less than 100 minutes the entire season so far, which has been like I forgot about. Wendell I still Moore. like I like Wendell Moore. It's just like again, it's just it, there's a lot of not not that I I wouldn't say that the guys are projects, but a lot of the um like late lottery to back end of the mm-hmm. first guys have ended up being uh, struggling to, 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 to get into the rotation a little bit um, or playing a lot of G League time. So I think, not that this is the first draft class that has happened, but I think this is one of the first draft classes for me where it really feels like, oh, hey, like a lot of these guys are getting pretty substantial G League time right away, and we're not going to see them play with the big club right away. Like Blake Wesley's played two games uh, with the Spurs, and I think that's going to, again, that'll change up too with Devin Vassell missing a bunch of time unfortunately coming up but um yeah i think that's like kind of my big takeaway um i didn't really think about it that way but it makes a lot of sense and it something i touched on on a couple pods last go around um that i don't talk about on twitter as much because i don't know it's just not one of those conversation topics that i feel like is good for twitter maybe when i start busting out those four thousand word tweets that you jesus christ i hope the fuck not (laughs) <laughs> I'm immediately banning or blocking whoever whoever I see doing that on my timeline. But um, unless it's you <laughs> talking about prospects. I'll block myself if I do a 4,000-word tweet. <laughs> I mean, character tweet. It just feels like the league is, like, I, again, I don't know if it's recency bias or not, but it just there's just a shit ton of talent, and a lot of it is young talent. So, you know, we already knew young talent was going to squeeze some marginal vets out of the league. But now you're getting like, if you're not a lotto pick, it's really freaking tough right now, it feels like. And then it's compounded because of the parity in the league right now, which means there's not that many teams that just have like 10 developmental spots open, right? Like, even the, like, everybody was like, oh, somebody, even me, I was like, somebody, everybody's going to want to tank for Wemby. It's like four teams tanking for Wemby, maybe mm-hmm. five. Like, and aside from that, it, like everybody's maybe not competing for a title, but trying to win. And they have 
if not young, often youngish guys like like look at the Knicks or the Pacers, right? Like they got guys from age nineteen to twenty six or however old. How old is Miles? Twenty five. Yeah, I think he's twenty six. Yeah, so they they got some young vets and uh, everybody's talented and like just looking at this class, pretty much after you have AJ Griffin at sixteen, very like middle of the first, and then after that, it's just. Plenty of talent. And like you said, guys have flashes when they're able to step in. Um, Marjan versus the Knicks yesterday. Um, I, I thought he's looked great in his very limited role. He's doing a good job of it, um, which is unsurprising. But, like, what is he going to do? Take, like, he's not going to take Giannis's minutes, right? He's not going to take Drew Holiday's minutes. Like, it's tough. So, yeah, it's... um. I suspect this is only going to get worse next year, but in terms of the development of these guys, you know, mid first, early second, aside from injuries, like is it, it, do you think this can have like career long repercussions for them? If they don't get NBA time to, to mess around, or do you think the league will kind of just adapt like a some like an evolving organism where the G League becomes just more important and then guys just plug in from the G League. Um I think that's what I'm still kind of formulating in my head because going off that like uh, not that I'm correcting you but I think going off of one of the things you said mm-hmm. um about you know it's just hard if you're not a lottery guy and I think to to an extent yeah but I think to me it's almost more it's been more about do you have an immediate skill and an opening for you to to use it. Um I think has been the bigger thing. Like, I think Wendell Moore could like be somebody who is getting rotation minutes, like multiple teams around the league. But with just how many wings and guys in general the the Wolves had in their backcourt, there just hasn't been a ton of room for him to play. Um, which is why it's only really happening when he when there are injuries. Um, like if Walker Kessler got drafted to like shit, I'm trying to think. Like if for some reason the Bulls took him. 18th instead of Dale and Terry and he was behind Andre Drummond like okay Walker Kessler is going to maybe play some spot minutes every couple games Um, and he's actually been one of the most impactful rookies there's been Um, Mm -hmm. so again I think it just kind of reinforces for me the importance of uh, having some immediate translation uh, but also like trying to remain patient too because not everybody's going to translate immediately like Ochai Agbaji, one of the guys, again, like that's it's another fun one because like Ochai has played 20 games, but it's like a fake 20 games. He's played 194 minutes, um, which is 27th in the class after going 14th. And that's not to diminish him at all. I don't think that he's looked bad at all. Um, I think it's, yeah, exactly. There are so many guys in Utah. I think if he goes to a different situation, we're we're talking about him differently. Um, So I think it's more just trying to keep in mind that there are uh, multiple avenues for how things can break um, and trying to remember that. And I think like going off that too, Walker Kessler, I'm not saying that I'm taking the L on him is the wrong way to put it. I think I ended up having him like around 30th on like my final mock. Um, And I still feel... I had him 30th as well. I moved him to 30 from like somewhere in the second at the very last minute. And that gives me... That made for me. That's a W because I'm like, oh, I, I stuck him <laughs> in there. That counts. counts. Yeah, <laughs> like I still feel comfortable with that. Like I know because again, and this is not me trying to shit on Walker Kessler. It's more just trying to um, 
I think what I'm trying to work in, like you, like you talked about. I don't think any it. jazz fans listen to our. <laughs> well, yeah, what jazz okay. fans? Uh, but no, I uh, just kidding. There's well, swarms of them, but uh, I think uh, just trying to not remain too high or too low, and just trying to kind of ride the wave on evaluating guys is where I'm trying to get at. Because I think I am, especially with how in the weeds I can get sometimes in basketball. Um, I feel like I'll forget that it's been just a month of something instead of you know a year because that's such a big that's a drastic difference um Mm -hmm. and i think i can get really lost in that sometimes from game to game and um so i think in some ways like i look at walker and i'm like okay i think i should have been a little bit um a little bit higher on what his offensive outcome could be like you know just okay if he's in the right situation aka utah who was able to really spread the floor play four out have multiple ball handlers and they're comfortable playing him in the dunker spot and just using him as a roller. I think that's worked really well for him. And um, again, like I think if he goes to a different situation, like I actually think the Bulls would have been a pretty bad landing spot for him because the spacing is going to be a little bit different. There's a lot less of that spread out look. There's going to be more guys. It's going to be more of a three out, two in, like we've seen from them this year. And um, I think that has just different. And that's again, that's not to say they'd be bad, but I think it's just, it's different. So. Um, trying to keep all that in mind and trying to be more thoughtful of context. It's one of those reasons why I reject the best player available and best fit binary because I, I think you can't separate those two in, in real life because, you know, some of these guys, you know, they get drafted into a bad situation and maybe maybe they get better and the situation resolves itself because the team is like, Hey, we drafted this guy. Let's open up a bench spot next season for this wing or the center or whatever. But sometimes it doesn't. And then it just kind of that there always is the potential for that to just roll on too long. And, you know, it for Knicks fans, obviously Obi comes to mind and not that he's been like benched or anything, but he's obviously uh, not played the minutes. I'm sure anybody in the Knicks um, thought he would play because of, a, you know, Julius Randle being pretty good. And then Tibbs not playing them together or whatever. So like it, it's, it, it's a fine line to walk between like, okay, we take the best player available, but in doing that, do we, are, are we setting him up for a worse context than the second best player available and long-term might that context make the second best player actually the best player for this particular team, right? To use a bunch of lawyerly hypotheticals, but like that, if I was in a front office, that's how I would think. And that's not to say like with the Knicks, for example, I would, you know, it it hasn't happened yet, but I'm, I sense, I sense it in the replies on Twitter and in other articles that I read that, you know, Knicks fans want some wings and I get that. We don't got many wings. We got, Big dudes and guards and RJ Barrett, and that's pretty much it. So, you know, when you throw around names of some guards who are killing it right now in the 2023 cycle, people are like, yes, but. So uh, not, not that we have to get into that, but it's definitely this this draft and, and last draft are helping my agenda of throwing that binary out the window. So in that sense, I'm uh, quite excited to continue to see how, how it goes. Um, Okay, so some guys I wanted to talk to you about in particular are some players that Knicks fans, myself, may or may not have been included among them, were 
head over heels for last year. And I do think uh, checking up on uh, the ones that got away, although not advisable in real life, is a fun thing to do on a draft podcast. So um, I'm just going to throw some names out there and you can tell me if you've had a chance to watch them or not. Um, and you could just kind of bounce all over the place or, you know, if, if anybody else is particularly interesting, happy to do that. Um, one interesting guy is Jalen Williams. He's, I think the intersection of opportunity and skill, right? OKC is one of those teams that did have, uh, development minutes available. Um, and he's not easily pigeonholed to one position, which makes it easier to fit him in those spots. And, you know, like they, they're one of those teams that everybody was like, Oh, they're going to tank for Wemby. And now SGA is good, but it's not just SGA, right? Like I know you wrote about their defense last year and, and that's carried over, right? Like I literally have watched aside from when they played the Knicks, I, I haven't watched any thunder. So like they got a lot of young players there. SGA is obviously incredible, but How's that? How's that situation going um, in general, and just for for Jalen Williams and my son Uzi? Although I know he was <laughs> in the G League for the last month or two. Yeah, well, well the Thunder. Yeah, they're. I mean, this is not adjusted, so take it with a grain of salt. But it's thir- they're thirteenth in defensive rating right now, and considering how many injuries they've had and um, how many, you know, it feels like they change their lineups every single game. Um, mm-hmm. It's still pretty impressive. Like that infrastructure is there. They're almost 500 this year, exactly like you mentioned. Um, J-Dub's been awesome, man. Like, I made this comparison the other day, and this is not a comparison of um, <laughs> level of talent, but in terms of dunking, you know who, who Jalen Williams reminds me of as a dunker all the time? Because he has dunked a lot this year. I think he's top 20 in dunks this season. Oh, wow. I mean, he cuts all the time. Yeah, he cuts real well, and he's just got a ton of shake, too. Um, mm-hmm. Playing off of Shea, very helpful for dunking a shit ton. Um, <laughs> but he reminds me a ton of Scottie Pippen as a dunker. Like, a lot of those, like, one-handed extension finishes, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, he kind of j- he just has that same kind of flair. Obviously not, again, not the same kind of talent. I don't think Jalen Williams is going to be a Hall of Famer. That's asking way too much. But... Um, I just think about that a lot whenever I see him dunk. I mean, he's got those long-ass arms. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, this was one of the things that there was some like cognitive dissonance in my head about was, you know, when the reports came out about his vert being whatever, like 40-something inches, I was like, is it though? That's <laughs> kind of high. He's not really like up at the top of the square often or anything like that. And, you know, what that fails to realize is not like – Max vert is a kind of flaw. It's a back of the napkin thing, right? It's not a functional measurement, right? Like it doesn't talk about how high you get to 40 inches or like, can you get to 40 inches in contact? They're only sprinting in an open court, right? Like, is it whatever? And the point is, it's nice. It's nicer to have a high vert than not, but even more important than that, like this guy's when he just puts his arm in the air and he doesn't have to jump anywhere near 40 inches to dunk it so you combine that with his instincts and his strength and so his ability to just cut and uh you know we knicks fans are enjoying a a renaissance of cutting thanks to quentin grimes and um quentin grimes is very much a pass first cutter but now he might be a hall of famer i can get there (laughs) i fuck i just need to say i fucking love quentin grimes he's so good man (laughs) 
I'm not saying that I agree with the uh, refusing to trade him for Donovan Mitchell aspect, but sometimes I get it. I mean, Donnie might actually be a Hall of Famer. So. Yeah, no, exactly. But like, <laughs> so. but does he cut like Quentin Grimes does? No. Um, wow. No, J-Dub, like in terms of just his overall play, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've been incredibly blown away. And I don't mean that to be derogatory. Like, I just think that I kind of expected him to be really exciting. He's flashed a lot of great stuff at Summer League. I really liked his tape at Santa Clara. Um, I think that I want to see the jumper fall, obviously, a lot more. Uh, but Has I, it not been? He's shooting 29% from three this year. But Ooh, he's yes. not really shooting a ton of threes. Like, that's been one of the problems with, with OKC. Like, they're ta- I mean, they take a lot of threes on volume, but some of the guys that you want to take more threes are not, like, Shea's taking 2.8 threes a game, and it's it's been fine for him. Like, he's such a good driver. It doesn't matter. But Jalen Williams, 4.5 threes per 100. That is not going to cut it. I don't care how bad he's shooting. Yeah, like, I would really like to see him shoot more. I think part of it, too, is, like, he's, at least in my opinion, I think he's always seems a lot more comfortable as a pull-up shooter than a catch-and-shoot guy, which, mm-hmm. granted, when you're a secondary player, that makes it a lot harder to be – um, right. a super effective spacer right away. So I think that's something that he's going to need to work on and continue to get better at. But like the pull-up shooting inside the arc has been really good. The floater game has been really good. Just his overall finishing has been fantastic. He's shooting almost 60% on two-pointers, um, which when you're talking about somebody who's 6'5", six 6'6", six six, that's pretty impressive. Um, I mean, the, the, the playmaking is fantastic. Like he brings – like he, he very much, uh, to me – has cemented himself as the starting two or three alongside Shea in that lineup. Um, obviously, Giddy's been playing really damn well this year too, especially over the last month or so. Um, and I, I don't really have a position to call Giddy, but um, point being, like J Dub's been been really exciting. Like I, I think that he's uh, he he's somebody who is going to be like a just a an NBA Twitter star for a long time. <laughs> How does it work defensively with like? I mean, position like traditional positions are kind of out the window. So how do they assign like Shea and I mean, Giddy's tall. J Dub is you know he's he's not tall, but he's long and strong. And I I don't know their roles in the defense, but like how, how does that work? Uh, I'm not quite as in tune with OKC this year as I'd like to be. I believe they're still mostly switching everything, uh, at least one through four. Sense. Um. It's weird now because Poku's out too, and JRE has been out. So, like, pretty much all of their starting five-man options have been out for the last month, um, which has been a little bit awkward. And that's probably where my biggest blind spot is over the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. Um, but overall, I mean, I think it's still mostly just been a lot of switching, a lot of being aggressive because um, they like to be aggressive in, in their health principles too. Um and I think it works. Like there isn't anybody who I pinpoint on the roster where I'm like they're a bad defender. Um, like that Giddy, goes so far. Yeah, that goes so far. Just not having a tire fire weak link. Yeah. Well, I mean Trey Mann is small, so he gets picked on, but he fights. Like I think. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't think Dort is as good of a defender as he gets made out to be sometimes because his off ball lapses can really exist. And I don't think I. And this is this is my new. I think sometimes mm-hmm. guys playing really hard and looking like they're moving as hard as possible makes it look like they're being more effective than they actually are. I still don't think Dort is a very good screen navigator. Like, 
It's like what Russ Westbrook said about Pat Beverly, right? Yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah, not not quite that far, uh, but yeah, like <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's just this is. I mean, I guess it's my own agenda. I think Dort's a very solid, very good defender. Sol is under underselling him. Like the point of attack was really great, but um, yeah, I just my own. If you count biases. the number of people. The number of players NBA Twitter thinks are all NBA defenders. The all NBA defense list would be like be like forty, players. yeah, like forty guys. <laughs> um, another uh, another guy who, I mean, the team's not flourishing, but I think he was flourishing. Is AJ Griffin? Um, mm-hmm. there, he he dropped. He went all the way sixteenth. People had him in their top tens, sometimes even higher. And you know, it's the the nexus of age and. He obviously brought an elite skill to the table, even without the athleticism he had in high school. And then, I mean, we knew that the Hawks with Murray and Trey were going to need guys to just space around them um, with Herder gone. And I mean, Bogey still does his thing. And but like you don't have that many volume shooters. I mean, Collins can shoot accurately, but he's not going to put up. 12 threes per 100 or something like that um have you gotten a chance to to check out the hawks at all oh yeah i've watched a lot of aj because he's been somebody who's been really fun to watch like he's even started quite a few games for them um the shooting numbers underlie like how good the shooting has been like he's been one of the few guys they have that is a movement shooter Mm -hmm. excuse me which they've absolutely needed um like you could just see when he was injected in the lineup, like just the threat of him relocating did more for their offense than uh, pretty much any wing that they've had. Um, which, I mean, I think that's more an indictment of the roster build as much of it is, you know, a, sure. a highlight of how good AJ is. Um, but what's been a benefit too, I think he's been a little bit better uh, putting the ball on the deck and just using his interior scoring craft too. Um, not, I, I don't think that it's been like, giving all-star or anything like that but it has been impressive to see some of that stuff his role is down again recently um as the team's gotten healthier but that's been fun to see i think also too his hands have really stuck out defensively like i noticed that his steal rate shot up like he was in like the league leaders out here yeah and i think it's interesting because uh i still wouldn't say that he's been like good defensively but he hasn't been catastrophic defensively which I think and for a 19 year old. Like, yeah. Well, con- considering what his defense was at Duke um, and mm-hmm. what I thought it could be for his first year coming in, I've been pretty impressed. Um, like he's been really, he see what's funny is like most of his steals are because he's getting beat and he just like has such long arms and really strong hands that he's able to jut the ball out when somebody gets a step on him. Um, and he's been really good. Like his hand eye coordination is phenomenal. So like a lot, again, like a lot of his, steals are like okay well you beat me but i'm i'm beating you back and so that's been cool to see um i think the off ball lapses are still there like that's going to be a thing figuring out screen navigation is going to take more and more time um but he's been a pretty good at using his chest to keep like-sized guys in front and i think for right now that's really all you can ask of him um like we knew what we were getting offensively and i think that's paid off immediately um still want to see him uh you know, it continue to improve his um, his ability to uh, cut down how how like wide his paths are coming off screens, because um, that'll open up more for him as an interior scorer if he can cut that down a little bit. But um, 
yeah, he's been impressive, man. It's been very fun to watch him. Just looking at his numbers, um, his his field goal percentage in different parts of the court is like actually crazy. It's like seventy three percent close to the hoop, almost sixty percent three to ten feet, fifty five percent ten to sixteen feet. Uh, but he's obviously taking over half of his shots from three, almost half. Uh, like he he's not taking that. Like obviously, most of his shots are are threes, and they don't really do or at least he doesn't really do long twos um, that much. And he's not really drawing free throws. So, um, I mean, on, on that offense, I would guess that his role is not really to put it on the deck and get to the rack. Maybe the, the stray closeout attack here and there. But um, uh, I feel like that'll be one of the next steps is, even though he's young, he's still a big dude. Um, so he's got to figure out, he doesn't have to become a free throw monster or something like that, but like be a free throw merchant a little bit. Be a little shameless, right? Like guys are going to be on their toes, slippery following you and do some, take advantage of these refs. Like I wouldn't say that while I'm watching the game, but uh, that's what, this is an important thing for shooters to do now. Right. So yeah. I don't know. Um, okay. Next guy I wanted to talk about, uh, Tari Eason, the person we discussed when I came on Indy Cornrows, um, I've watched a little bit of Houston, mostly just been confused. Um, they have a lot of my favorite players. I really like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and Tari Eason and Shangoon. It's just like they have a lot of guys who are fun in a vacuum. And then I watch them together and I'm like, this is not fun. <laughs> the NBA season is heating up and there are still so many things Yet to unfold, can the Knicks get home court advantage? Who knows? Maybe. Well, I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet, with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 of free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Place a same-game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 on free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah. Um... Tara's been fun. And I think what, what's been exciting about Tara is I think a lot of the stuff that he does is translated, um, mm-hmm. both good and bad. Uh, it's in a sense, like uh, he's shooting pretty well on threes, like right around league average, 36.6% on about four per 100. So like you'd like to see him take more, but I think he's really tried to get into his drive game, um, which has, I mean, as we know, that is the work in progress. Um there have been some awesome moments. There have been some really bad moments. Uh, like the, I mean, he's still struggling with, with getting stripped a lot, especially at the nail. Um, like that's going to be a thing. Uh, he has some fantastic transition moments, other moments in transition. Again, like you, you're going to get the good with the bad. I think that's just kind of part of Tari's game right now. Um, but the defense has been really fun. Like the, just the overall defensive compete level has been awesome. 
I've loved watching him do that and just continue to to be an events creator. And I think in some ways it hasn't fully worked in Houston just because, um, like I should say, you don't get to see it fully play out in Houston because of what their defense can be most of the time. Um, yeah. feels like they're putting out fires so often all the time that it really can be difficult to have uh, to really have a guy who is an events creator shine in some ways. Uh, but the minutes where you get to see him and Jabari together in lineups are really exciting because yes, like that's the kind of stuff that you envision building a, a really exciting defense around. Um, so yeah, overall, like I've, I've really enjoyed him and especially do the rebounding. It's just the rebounding. Like I, there are a few guys like, Tarice and Nate Hinton. Um, I'm trying to think who else I can bring up. Like Oscar Sheway. Like there just are not a lot of guys who are going to draw me to watch live rebounds on repeat like those guys. Um, and Tari's one of them. Like he's got an absurd offensive rebound rate. He's got a an 11.3 offensive rebound rate for somebody six foot seven, and that's not a lot of guys who do that. So I appreciate him effortlessly. You mentioned his driving, and I know the finish. I've seen and noticed the finishing struggles when I've watched, and I checked the stats on it, and I think the stats corroborate it. Um, he's still working things out with his offhand, and he still doesn't jump super high unless he has a lot of load time. Um, one thing I know, just looking at his stats, he's not not drawing fouls, but he's not drawing a ton of fouls. And um, have you? Like it's weird because he's a very physical player, mm-hmm. but because of his finishing, I feel like he does sometimes get in his own head, trying to get a little more finessey than he should. Like, how, how have you noticed any? Have you noticed anything about like the foul drawing or just him being f- less physical or more physical? Or do you think that's just kind of like a weird thing versus NBA athletes, and it'll be fine? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question. I think that it's difficult because in some ways, like not that he doesn't have a lot of the same, like he's, he's, he's still getting the ball in a lot of the same places that he did, obviously with not, not quite the same usage, of course. Um, but I think in some ways the physicality is like, that's something that he's going to, um, it's going to take some time for that to maybe hit the same way. Not that it hasn't, but I think it hasn't hit in quite the same way that it did as an offensive player at at LSU, just because without having the ball in his hands more and without the same level of um, defensive attention, like I think that he's, it just hasn't been a giant uh, boon for him there. Um, I also think he's the one thing that has translated a lot of the fouls that he does get are off of being too physical as an offensive player, um, which I think has hurt him a little bit this year. Oh, you mean like offensive fouls? Yeah. Like that's definitely been an issue for him. Uh, Not and and again, not, I think part of that's just being a young player, but like, that's something that we're going to really need to see improve as time goes on. Um, But like I do think overall, like the physicality has been on his side, just not in the foul drawing way yet. And um, I don't think it was ever going to be like to that extent, you know. Like the, sure. the for for what it's worth, like I think the free throw percentage is still solid, considering what his role is and how much he plays. 
But um, I can definitely, like, yeah, I mean, I agree that it's not exactly where you want it to be, especially with where it was last year. Like, that was pretty nutty last year. Yeah, I mean, he was a man-child amongst child-childs, I guess. Just to, <laughs> to point out, too, he's 14th in offensive rebound rate in the NBA right now. Like, Yeah, as a wing. <laughs> it's pretty wild. I love it. Um, it's the stuff I live for. I'm glad to see him flourishing. Um, let's see where we're at. Okay, 6.15. Um, let's get into the Pacers kids. Um, Matherin and Nemhard. I don't think I had Nemhard in my first round. I'm going to be honest. I do this thing where I just... Like, if a player doesn't make it into my potential first rounders for any reason, whether it's because I watch it and I'm like, this guy doesn't have it or i just hear a bunch of people be like oh you're not a first rounder i will just not spend as much time on them because i'm fortunate enough to only be doing this for a hobby and not trying to like break into a career or something like that so nemhar is one of those dudes who like i would watch him play and i'd be like damn he's nice (laughs) but it's so hard for short guards that i'm just like ah like if he if he does it he does it cool but like I'm you know I'm not going to be checking for him or anything like that. And then for Matherin I was I am excited to talk to you about Matherin because he the guys who excite me the most to talk about retroactively are the players who I learn the most from and I was like if you look at my rankings I forget where I had him like I wasn't like slander he wasn't like 20th or something but he wasn't like in my top eight, I think, or nine. Um, and I, I mean, he obviously started off the season on fire and has cooled off since, but like the net, the nexus of slashing and movement shooting, it's literally like an unheard of thing. And I just didn't every year for me, it seems like there's one guy who, because of my lack of imagination for what role they could play, I sleep on them. Like the year before it was Kuminga, um, where I was like, oh, nobody's going to play him as a small ball five. And then the Warriors are like, nope, we're going to do exactly that. And now I look at Matherin, and he's doing the Matherin stuff, which is like running around screens and being a gay shooter and getting awesome dunks every now and then. But he's also drawing like a thousand fouls and just not only being, he's like applying his physical strength in a way that most rookies do not do. Like, I mean, it's been super impressive to me. So, um, like, what what has the just just I know you pay a little bit more attention to the Pacers because of Indy Cornrows, but like, mm-hmm. how has this forget forget the analysis of his game? Like, how has the experience of just watching those two be from go just go 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 from the beginning of the season? How has that been? Because it it looks fun <laughs> to me. <laughs> I can confirm it has been fun. Um, <laughs> I think even more with, and, and this is not a slight at, at Benedict because I've really enjoyed watching him play. But Andrew is just like, I think I looked at Andrew, and similarly to you, like I ended up having him, I think I had him like around 25 on my big board. Um, I really liked him, but I thought there was like a definite cap. I was like, I think, you know, he's going to be uh, at best like a third, a really solid third guard. And like, that's a good, it's a good player, but. I think that he's played well enough now where, and like he's been starting for a team that's a lock to make the playoffs currently. And I think that he has future starter, like real starter written on him 
uh, if he can continue to shoot the way he has. Like, he's and quick. I love his his mechanics are just ugh, well. It's I, what that's what's so funny because like his jumper was a was like the biggest problem at Gonzaga um, and at Florida. Like he did not shoot well. He didn't get up a lot of them. It wasn't on variety. And this year, like it's still not. He has a definite ceiling as a shooter because. Like, I don't think you can just become, like, Doug McDermott if you work really hard. Like, no, you have to have, like, a certain level of touch. You have to have that level of footwork and flexibility and coordination. And most guys just don't have that. But he showed more as a relocation guy this year. He's done a little bit off of movement. The pull-up has been pretty viable for him. And he's quick in his release. And, like, yeah, the shot is low. Um, it's still coming up from his hip that. mostly. But, like, it comes off quick. He gets it off and, and is comfortable doing it. And he like, I like part of Caitlin and I were, we liked him as a player, but we were like, how's this going to work? He's a pretty low tempo guard. Like he really isn't an off ball guy. And they've been expert at using him as a screener and figuring out ways to get him going off the ball while also letting him run a lot. And guards um, as screeners, what a novel concept, <laughs> right? Uh, you um, guys are in like 3023. Not all of us can can play basketball back in the 1980s, but um, it's been really just fun to see him do all these things that I wasn't certain about. And he's been really good defensively too. Like the point of attack defense from him has been superb. Um, I think that, again, there are still some limitations to him as a defender, and he's been asked to do too much at times because of just the limitations of the roster, but it's been really good, man. Uh, I've been pretty blown away by who he's already showing himself to be as a player. I don't know if you saw me tweeting during the Golden State game where he had 31 and won them a game single-handedly when like half yeah, the starting crazy. lineup was out, but I was losing my mind during that game because that was just <laughs> like, I was like, I never thought that he'd do anything like this in the NBA, and here we are. Um, he legitimately had a, the reigning champs, and yes, reigning champs are not the same this year, but like he had the reigning champs like throwing four or five different coverages at him as the lone ball handler during that game. It was wild. Um, that just doesn't happen very often. So that was very fun. It's made me rethink his ceiling. With Benedict, um, what's Real been... Quick, before, before we get to Matherin, yeah. just looking at... This is... I'm going to go down a fucking rabbit hole this weekend, especially because I got an extra day off. Just looking at his stats, like... I, I Again, I really, truly didn't pay attention to his... The, the discourse around him. And like... 87 from the line on 55. He missed seven free throws in 32 games. 38 from three uh, on seven seven threes per 100. So, okay, volume, nothing crazy. Um, but really, the unique thing is that senior year line compared to the other three. And, I mean, they're not the same level of shooter, but it really reminds me of... What, what happened with Quentin Grimes a little bit? Um, people, at Quentin Grimes, he had some more green flag indicators like shooting a zillion threes per 100, but like he, he his percentages were actually not great for the majority of his college career from distance, um, even though the form was good. And with Nemhard, it's, it's probably a similar story, but I'm curious if there, like, I want to go back and look at the video to see if there's any mechanic because he, something happened because he was, in the 70s for the three years before that, and then 87. Like, 87% from the line is the province of great shooters. Yeah. I don't care how – I don't like, I know 50 free throws is not a ton, but it's not 
not a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what some of the difficulty was, though, just because of the sheer lack of volume. And also, too, mm-hmm. because, like, the other thing was, I mean, he's a crafty finisher, but he's, a lot of his stuff is strength-based, um, a lot of turnarounds, a lot of fadeaways, um, just working into stuff that is harder shots. So I think that was part of the, where some of the um, holdup might have been with him. But again, like I think him being more of a secondary guy and getting to play off of a true point has been really good for him as a finisher in that way. So it's like the kind of thing where, like you mentioned, in terms of thinking about different roles, like that's not a role I just ever envisioned for him because I didn't, I, like that's the kind of thing where I wish I had because now that I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, like this makes a lot more sense. I would have taken him higher. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of interesting stuff to look into, especially in terms of, like you mentioned, talking about shot indicators and stuff. And I know Rick, like, Rick tweaks guys jumpers like routinely, like when he, he oh really yeah, um, and I'd imagine he's done some of that with like I'm not speaking for him, so I don't know, but I'd imagine he's done some of that with Nemhard, um, in terms of working with now him. Because I know he was a big YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know he. I mean, like he, he's the shadow GM. Like he's a lot of the reason for why they took Benedict and and, and Andrew, and that's part of why it's worked so well because they fit so much of what this team is about and how they run things. And um, I think that's why they've both really popped because there's like, like we talked about earlier there, there was a clear defined role for them. There were clear ways for them to be utilized and to get constant reps. And um, that's been extremely important for their development. The context and the creativity with which Carlisle uses these two guys is just like i get jealous like it's it's exactly what you want for every draft pick it's you know play to their strengths play to where their their strengths that they don't have yet but they could have in the future um you know allow them to impact the game in in different ways uh that might help you win now while also developing them um in Arizona, Matherin, I mean, obviously he was the, the lead gun in a lot of ways, along with Coloco and some of the other guys who are still there now. But he wasn't, it, it was a crowded, it was a crowded team in terms of spacing. Um, he, he was playing with multiple bigs a lot. And now he comes to Indy and you got Miles Turner, my son Isaiah Jackson, you got two of the best shooters of all time. I don't think that should be a controversial statement. And Halley and Heald, um, other flaws aside, they know how to put that thing up. And like his ability to just adapt to that and take advantage of that. And then Carlisle has him almost like how Tibbs does with RJ. Like He comes off of screens just curling in where he doesn't have to do anything crazy. He just has to dribble once or twice and then just steamroll dudes. It's, it's, I would just, I would just see his, I'd be checking my fantasy basketball team, just looking at other players to pick up. And I'm like, should I pick up Ben Matherin? This guy's drawing like 10 fouls a game. He still doesn't rebound or pass. So I didn't pick him up, but like, dang, like he's, I guess my question for you is, you know, he started off super hot and, he seems to have cooled off. So wh- where do you think he's at now, like with that dynamic? Because usually it's the opposite with, with rookies or young guys. You'll see they might be like, eh, to start the year. And then 
at the end of the year they get hot or figure it out or get more playing time and get more volume and then everybody's ends of the year like excited about what they could be so it's kind of funny because uh benedict like yeah like you mentioned he came on so hot like he from game one to game 20 he had two games where he only where he scored less than double digit points um that's impressive shit and then december was a very unkind month to him from like every area of the court he shot above 40 percent four times in the month of december that's rough um but since christmas or i I should say that was december before christmas but that's still a 12 game sample size so pretty large but since christmas what's been really interesting and i'm i think i haven't i haven't thought that it's bad at all in watching he's taken less than three threes per game since christmas he still hasn't shot well he's shooting 17 percent from threes and a little bit of a slump but that's at the expense of upping his free throw volume. So now he's taking almost eight free throws a game in that stretch. And every single game, except for the latest one against Charlotte, he has six or more free throw attempts. Um, like you like you talked about with the the flash, of, well, not flash, just the, the movement shooting mixed with slashing, he has really leaned into the drive game and attacking off the catch lately. And that's been really fun to see because a lot of times, like even if he misses the shot at the rim, like, he just is really strong. Like you, you don't you look at his frame and not like not like you think he wouldn't be strong, but like he plays so much f- more physical than I think you would anticipate just on seeing him off rip. Um, and it's been awesome, man. Like I, I continue to be really impressed with some of the problem solving stuff. I don't think that the passing has really come along in a way that I necessarily would say I, I believe in. Um, like, I think that it's going to improve in time and as he continues to get more reps, but like the defense has still kind of been, been kind of a dumpster fire if we're being blunt, but the offense has just been so overwhelmingly good. Like the Pacers have never had somebody who draws fouls like this, even Domas, like Domas, I think averaged like under six free throws a game last year. Mm-hmm. And part of that was like, I don't think he ever got the best whistle, but also they didn't really play with a lot of pace and tempo. And I think, again, that's talking about a guy who really benefits from the system that he's in. And that's not calling him a system player. That's more if you really play to a guy's strengths and it's synergistic, like, that's good. Like, if if Benedict was playing in a place where they're like, okay, ISO jab step all the time. Don't come off movement. Be a relocation shooter, and that's it. No offense, but if you played for the Knicks... That's not- exactly what I was worried about, and that's why I had him low. I was like, yeah. how many teams are like the Knicks? If Probably he was doing, if he was in Tibbs' system, he would. I think he would still be f- fine, but not even close to the level of stuff that you're seeing from him. Like, what's what? What's been interesting is like when we talked. Well, because we didn't talk on the pod about this, but like I, I we, we, we on the same pod, you know, Caitlin and I talked about Benedict. Like, our worry about him was okay. The handle isn't awesome. It mm-hmm. still needs to tighten up. There is real downhill burst. Well, they play transition in the half court, basically. Like, everything is running into sets. Everything is trying to get things going on the catch. A lot of trying to get Benedict slot drives. Like, I think his most consistent uh, kind of attempt he gets is an Iverson across into an empty slot screen. Like, he gets those a lot. And the, the purposes give him simple decisions to make. Go downhill, take the open shot, or make a pass if there's a switch or something. And like 
it's just paid off. Like it's been really good for for putting him in the right situations. Yeah, dude. I, I it, it it all this the Matherin stuff, and then it you know it makes it makes me think about the current Knicks crop. Like we know what's up with Ob, but like even with Grimes, who's amazing, I'm like, are we sure he shouldn't be getting like a few attacks from like above not at the corner or like maybe a pick and roll rep here or there because he's pretty good at that and obi i mean obi has 10 roll reps on this season so the less we say about that the better um quickly has forced himself thank god into some new roles in different parts of the season um so you know it's it's a bit of an adventure for the knicks but more generally speaking it's definitely one of the things i'm trying to envision Number one is like, what are all the possible roles these guys can play? And then as we get closer to the draft and the draft order gets more settled, then I'll start thinking about like, which teams am I comfortable with being creative versus not, especially with a lot of the league in some form of compete mode and not just fuck around mode. Um, Cause I don't, I do think what Carlisle's pulling off, which is like be creative and also compete um that's probably pretty rare so it, it, it that's one of my homework assignments for this year um but yeah i I know we're at we're at time and we got to get you out of here mark thank you as always for joining us this was really fun um i could talk to you about the 2022 class for like a zillion hours but we don't got that time so you're gonna have to settle for a bunch of unsolicited dms about these <laughs> i'll guys. take it happily <laughs> um do you want to tell the folks where they can find you on socials? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. Um, I should have some some fun stuff coming out. Actually, I should have a draft profile coming out tomorrow, um, which I'm excited about. It's from on Bryce Hopkins over at Providence, um, who has been really fun and flashing a lot of stuff for a team that I think a lot of people expected to be more mid this year, but they've been arguably the second or third best team in the Big East. So that's been fun. But mainly Bryce is just like absolutely exploded as a prospect. So it's been very fun. But yeah, I appreciate having me, having me on, Prez. I always enjoy talking. I'm looking forward to it because I haven't watched him or Providence at all. Um, well, yeah, you heard it. Go give him a follow. Give Mark a follow if you haven't. You can find me at underscore Presidente on the Strickland. Um, we have some things coming out. We had parts one and two of our draft preview, and then parts three and four will be coming over the next couple of weeks and i have my first draft philosophy related piece which i haven't done one of those and i don't even remember the last one but it's about role players and prospects and the need to have shot making skills even if you're a role player and how important that is so be on the lookout for that folks and on that note thank you for listening we will catch you next time The New York Knicks select. select.